0: Multiracial whiteness reflects an understanding of whiteness as a political color and not simply a racial identity. Okay. I'm Shane Corey, and this is the third episode of Independent Citizen. We're into 2021, and uh, you think things would calm down just a little bit surprisingly nothing happened that was incredibly crazy over the weekend i was a little surprised uh, i think the uh, biggest news is phil Spector died uh, he was the uh, producer came up with a wall of sound 81 years old died in a federal prison but he was the one that was convicted of, of killing lana clarkson if you recall she was uh, kind of a b actress was a waitress at uh, house of blues he took her home And uh, minutes later, came running out saying, I I think I shot her. Um, Anyway, uh, the most notable thing about Phil Spector was his attempt to bring back wigs for men. Um, He was quite the character. I don't even know what to call that. Um, That was one heck of a wig. Um, But yeah, so that was, uh, I'd say, interesting. Interesting. But, uh, you know, a few other things did happen that were more concerning than um, uh, Phil Spector dying for sure. One is the, the buildup of troops in the nation's capital. Um, not just the buildup of troops, but kind of the, the crackdown on domestic terrorism uh, as a result of the January 6th protests. So we now have 25,000 National Guard troops in D.C. They're being vetted by the FBI to make sure they're not extremists. Uh, I don't know if they're going through their social media accounts or just questioning them, uh, but it, it's, it's unprecedented. You have to consider we have 5,000 troops deployed in Iraq and Afghanistan combined right now. The biggest show of force with troops in the D.C. area or in D.C. was after the assassination of Martin Luther King and there was 13,000 troops deployed there. We have nearly doubled that on top of thousands of law enforcement officers from Maryland, DC, Virginia, Virginia state police are there. Um, it's bizarre. This is banana Republic stuff where we are going into the inauguration of a United States president, but having to lock down the Capitol to basically prevent anybody from coming in. Um, it's... I, I, would, I would say it's a gross overreaction to what happened on the 6th, but maybe there's something we don't know. Um, I guess we'll find out uh, soon enough. But that's, um, I mean, there's videos all over. I mean, and this is not uncommon for troops to be marching in the streets. Um, well, it's very uncommon for troops to be marching in the streets. Um, the security checkpoints are being set up, uh, have been set up in, in place Really, uh, throughout last week, to the point where uh, I was reading a story about uh, a Virginia security guard who was um, stopped at one of the, the checkpoints, um, forgot he had a firearm on him. Was asked, "Do you have a firearm?" He said, "Yes." They yank him out, uh, arrest him, um, and he explained, "Hey, I, you know, I didn't realize I." Turned here, coming into D.C., having the firearm. I didn't have enough time to turn around. I'd be late for work if I went home and dropped off the gun, which is anybody that lives in Virginia that um, carries, goes to gun ranges. um, It's a common mistake um, to cross that border where having a firearm, possession of a firearm is is legal in Virginia, but as soon as you cross that imaginary border – you're committing uh, a felony. Um, So I've been in situations where I was going to a meeting in D.C., um, had uh, a firearm in the Jeep, gone to the gun range or whatever, had to either stop, get out, take the metro in uh, in Virginia or turn around. And it's it's an annoyance, but it's um, a mistake you don't want to make because the repercussions of getting caught with a firearm in D.C. are, are severe as this gentleman is probably going to find out. Um, he was released by the judge explained he's not a terrorist. He's not an extremist. He was just a security guard going to work. So, um, you're going to see probably a little bit more of that, but again, having these security checkpoints where you're not even free to walk around our nation's capital is a little bit crazy right now. So, um, I want to talk about a, a few things before I do, I want to, um, I, I mentioned in our, our second episode, uh, and I encourage everybody to, to comment, weigh in, share stories, subscribe. Uh, but if you comment, I, I want to address, uh, your comments. Um, we, we have uh, a gentleman that had a, a pretty lengthy comment that I don't disagree with, uh, Warren Jap Chappy uh, J-P-P-E. Um, I'll just read uh, a segment of this. Yes, political parties are a problem. And in the second episode, I was addressing the Washington's farewell address, the baneful effects of the spirit of the party and how that was um, very relevant to what we see today. Uh, So he's weighing in in response to that. Yes, political parties are a problem. They try to separate us into conflicting groups using race, ideology, and use idols to look up to for salvation aren't The biggest problem in American politics is the abuse of government in both parties. I, I agree with that. Um, I think that those are um, really the same issue. The abuse of, of government or the abuse of power that occurs in government is a result of unchecked authority, which comes with political parties. If you take a look at um, how the Republican and Democrat parties stay in power – it's because it's pretty much impossible for a third party or independent candidate to get elected. Um, there's ballot access laws, which are ba- ballot access laws are the laws that exist state by state um, that require a certain threshold or, or different rules depending on the state in order to just to get your name printed on the ballot. So in some states, say the Libertarian Party, the Green Party have ballot access based upon previous perf- performance. Say they got 5% in election, and therefore they're granted ballot access in the ni- next cycle. Some states make it nearly impossible. Oklahoma, for instance, the threshold is ridiculous to get a national candidate on the ballot. So you have petitioning requirements where you have to go and collect tens of thousands of signatures in Oklahoma. It's within a short time frame you have to do it. Um, and if you can't do it, you think, oh, it's okay. We can write in a candidate you know, in the state of Oklahoma you either vote Republican, Democrat, or you go home. There's not even a write-in option in Oklahoma. So state by state, it varies. And it's and who writes those rules? It's Republicans and Democrats. Uh, they come together, decide on the rules, and lock out third parties. So that's what leads to the abuse of power that we see in government, in that you have basically parties that operate without competition. And a big excuse Republicans and Democrats use to keep competition off the ballot is it would, it would confuse the voters you know too many choices um would would lead to anarchy in the voting process look you can walk down the cereal aisle and choose between 50 100 different brands of cereal and it's not causing any problems it's competition um, but when you go to ballot to to say that it's um causes confusion for voters to have to choose between a number of candidates is ridiculous That just uh, that's just calling us all idiots. So that's their excuse to control, uh, maintain their own power and, and control things. So again, I'd, I'd say that that's uh, one and the same. Um, uh, Warren uh, closes by saying, this is not a government of the people. We're just resources at their disposal. We don't run it, but we fund it at gunpoint and get lied to. Absolutely. Um, I agree with that a hundred percent. And when he says we funded at gunpoint, he's, it's it's not being facetious. Um, if you don't pay your taxes, if you don't do what the government says, there's a good chance you're going to end up with somebody, you know, with a gun holstered or in your face or whatever requiring you to do so. Um, so it's of course, an extreme circumstance, but that's reality. Um, government requires us to fund their activities, writes all the rules, and we really are powerless to do anything about it, especially when you have control by two parties. Um, Again, it's either Republican, Democrat, or, well, sorry, gotta go home. Uh, It's that lesser of two evils. So um, how that will change, I don't know. Um, You know, I have ideas, having run the Libertarian Party in the past, but um that was a depressing four years of my life in that um no matter how hard you fight you're really not going to make any progress because of the control control of the ballot control of the media if you're if you're a third party candidate you're considered fringe you're kind of written off as a crazy because you're not part of the two major parties um i would say today um you're more of an extremist if you are a Democrat or Republican. Uh, on the the extreme side of the Democrat Party, the AOCs pushing outlandish legislation that's taken as mainstream now that that's fringe. On the right, you have gosh, um, members of Congress that a most recently pushed all the falsehoods with uh, the vote. Um, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene, which I don't dislike her, but she is a QAnon supporter, um, you know, and fell in line with that, which is just a crazy conspiracy theory, um, that I don't even want to get into. It's, it's just, um, insane, but that would be, that is fringe. That's, that's craziness that typically would be relegated to third parties in the past. Now it's, I wouldn't say that's mainstream, but um, the the extremism of the right in the Republican Party um, and its drive toward populism because of President Trump is extreme. So uh, Warren, I appreciate your comment. Don't disagree. Um, and uh, if anybody else would like to weigh in on anything I have to say, feel free and uh, we'll bring it up. Um, on to another uh, topic. And I just want to Don't want to really jump around too much, but there's a lot to to fit in. Washington Post came out with an article um, over the weekend that has me just scratching my head. The the title of it is, To Understand Trump's Support, We Must Think in Terms of Multiracial Whiteness. What is multiracial whiteness? Well, they bring up Enrique Tarrio, who's the chairman of the Proud Boys, who is half black, half Cuban, um, and the leader of the supposed white supremacist group. Uh they bring up Ali Alexander who was head of Stop the Still, who is Arab, um, and and really focus on the the Latino community support of President Trump and lambast it as some type of shift in race. Um and, and it's it's one of the most hypocritical articles I've read in quite some time coming from left of center media. And I just want to read a few quotes. Uh, multiracial whiteness reflects an understanding of whiteness as a political color and not simply a racial identity. Okay. Um, I, I I don't even understand this. Maybe, maybe I'm just I don't have that liberal mindset, so it's just not clicking. Uh, I'll go on. Multiracial whiteness promises promises Latino Trump supporters freedom from the politics of diversity and recognition. For voters who see the very act of acknowledging one's racial identity as itself racist, the politics of multiracial whiteness reinforces their desired approach to colorblind individualism. I thought that's what we wanted uh, was a colorblind society where we don't discriminate against each other based upon the color of their skin, who they love, uh, you name it. I thought that's what we were going for. And now this article criticizes Latino voters as basically, I, I see it as they're saying they're race traitors because they support Trump, which that's the language that white supremacists use. Um, Multi, multi-racial whiteness offers citizens of every background the freedom to call Muslims terrorists, demand that undocumented immigrants be rounded up and deported, deride BLM as a movement of thugs and criminals, and accuse Democrats of being blood-drinking pedophiles. So that's really what we're getting into now, is this, this article has nothing to do with race. They're trying to find a way to label the Enrique Tarios. Uh, the Ali Alexanders as white supremacists, despite the color of their skin going across against that narrative. Um, for the longest time, the media avoided talking about Enrique, ever showing his picture. Now he's much more prominent. And you're thinking, well, that, that dude's not white. Wait, he's the head of the Proud Boys? I thought they were a bunch of white supremacist thug skinheads. Well, that narrative didn't work. Um, with the press. So now it's, well, you can still be a white racist, but be a different color. Um, now I'll, I'll just close in this. Uh, in the post-Trump era, the challenge will be to prevail over the extremism of Trump's white majority while trying to prevent the politics of whiteness from becoming an increasing multi, multiracial affair. So basically it's, let's keep the Republican Party or the, the Trump MAGA movement, the Red Hats, from branching out and drawing any in any other people of color, even if they are opposed to illegal immigration. Um, they're not in favor of the BLM movement and see that differently from what it is, or they're against Islamic terrorism. So you can't, they, they They want to turn this away from the issues and back to race. Um, but really, when it comes down to it, the folks, the the black voters, the Latino voters that are part of the populist movement, they they're they 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 are not there because of identifying with white people. They're there because they're passionate about single issues. And this is a way to just divide us further by taking it back to race. And this is kind of the Democrats MO going back decades and decades is you have to divide us along racial lines. You have to keep us separated and hating each other. You know They want to go back to the world where if you're, you're black, you hate white people. If you're white, you, you're, you hate black people. Latinos hate black people, vice versa. They want the, the divide back. They don't want a colorblind society because that is much more difficult to, con- to control. Um, you're seeing that right now, and a group of folks are calling domestic terrorists with the Boogaloo Boys. Um, the Boogaloo Boys is an enigma, um, not necessarily a militia. Um, they're not white supremacists because they go out and march with BLM. Um, so the, the media is trying, you know, trying like hell to define who they are, um, and by defining, you're, you're minimizing. Uh, one one uh, saying I heard a long time ago that really stuck was, "The rule of the jungle is eat or be eaten. The rule of politics is define or be defined." So if you're not defining your opposition, you're losing. You, you you have that advantage out the gate if you can define somebody in a negative term, and in many cases, when it comes to the left defining the right, their go-to description, the go-to definition that they want the public to remember whenever they hear this class of people is white supremacist, racist, Nazi. Um, that's, the, that's the untouchable definition that they want to apply to their opposition. And this is kind of this this article is very telling because they really want to take this back and expand the definition of white supremacy to include people of color, which is mind boggling to me. But that's where we're headed. Um, Whenever you have groups of people coming together and whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, um, you you do have to admit that he brought together people of color, uh, despite being called a racist and drawing in white supremacist, um, he still had a lot of support um, among the black community, the Hispanic community, you name it. So this is kind of their way to undermine that. And we're going to see uh, probably a lot more ridiculous commentary in this direction going forward. So uh, just want to cover that. If you guys you know, have more thoughts on that, on multiracial whiteness, please do comment. I don't understand it aside from it's just an attempt to expand the definition of white supremacy. Uh, but you know, if I'm wrong, weigh in and let's, uh, let's have a discussion about that. So we're gonna keep it quick today and uh, we'll be back later this week with uh, some more unfolding events. There's a lot happening this week with Joe Biden's inauguration. See what happened was, was with this uh, troop buildup. And um, I'm sure there's a lot more that will happen in the meantime. But thanks for tuning in and I hope to see you soon.